Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, our topic is going to be the School for Startups. Our special guest today is Jim Beach. Uh, we're going to be talking to him for the next uh, 22 minutes. So if you'd like to join the conversation, feel free to call in at 347-324-3460, or you can go ahead and email us at info at the Core Business Show. We're going to take a mo- break for a moment, and we'll be back in a moment, and we'll be with our guests listening to the Core, Core Business Show. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Hello, my name is Jim Beach, and I'm one of the founders here at The School for Startups. At The School for Startups, we believe that entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, and therefore anyone can be an entrepreneur. We will show you how. I've been called the Simon Cowell of small business by CNN. I've appeared on MSNBC, CNN. I was in Entrepreneur Magazine, The Wall Street Journal. I've done about 100 interviews, and I had a number nine best-selling book published by McGraw-Hill, all devoted to teaching our message that entrepreneurship doesn't have to be about creativity, risk, or passion. I know how you feel. I know 72% of Americans secretly wish that they were entrepreneurs, but only 10% are. I know working for the man and the idea of getting a paycheck every week doesn't appeal to you, that you know that you're destined for more. Here at the School for Startups, we will give you the skills needed to succeed. We have 115 modules, each one designed to teach you a specific idea, a specific thing that you need to know that all fits in with our philosophy of low-risk entrepreneurship. These 115 modules will slowly and methodically guide you through every skill set you need on your path to becoming an entrepreneur. I know the frustration, but I also know that you can succeed with the incredible skills that we will teach you. The School for Startups is the only place that focuses on low-risk entrepreneurship. And so please sign up for some classes I'll see you on the other side, and together we can change your life and build a great business for you. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Welcome back to The Core. I'm Tim Jacquet. Uh, Jim, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, great. Uh, appreciate you coming on to the show. I guess to begin with, a lot of our uh, listeners like to hear personal stories and how a person starts, an entrepreneur starts. So you mind, just tell us something about yourself, How where are you from, and how actually you got started into uh, business. Well, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I thought that I was going to be a Coca-Cola employee for life. 
and devoted myself to working at Coca-Cola, and they decided otherwise. They said one day that I had an entrepreneurial spirit that didn't fit in with Coke, and I had never heard that word before. I was like, a what? A what? And they're like, you need to be an entrepreneur. And so at 25, my life dream was crushed of working at Coca-Cola and being the CEO there one day. And so I started my first business, and I decided to start something uh, that I knew nothing about. I had never done it before, but I started a summer children's education business. And that's a fancy way of saying summer camps, except we were the world's <laughs> largest summer camp company, 700 employees in 89 locations in four countries. And we also grew into doing other things, helping businesses develop children's products and helping school systems develop new curriculum and things like that. So we were a really cool company. I sold that in 2001 and became a university professor with a small P, a non-PhD guy teaching entrepreneurship. And I made a bet my first semester that I could start a business that semester, make it profitable that semester, cash flow positive, and retake all startup capital. And the class got to choose the country and the industry that I would start the business in. Well, they thought it was really funny. It was right after 9-11, so they selected Pakistan and furniture. So I had three months to build a successful Pakistani furniture company in 2002, right after 9-11. Wow. Well, I did. That company ended up being pretty successful. And I made that same bet 12 semesters in a row, and I won every semester. And a reporter heard about it and said, wow, that would make a great book. And I was like, well, I'll make you a bet. You find someone who wants to publish the book, and I'll write it. And a week later, he came back and said, McGraw-Hill said, yes, you have three months to write a book. And it became a bestseller. It sold really well. It continues to. And it encapsulates the lessons that we learn during these 12 semesters. Namely, number one, entrepreneurship does not have to be about creativity. Creativity is great. I love creative people. But there's nothing wrong if you want to be an entrepreneur with this just copying, borrowing, stealing someone else's idea and making it your own. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. 93% of the businesses around the world are copies of someone else's business, uh, according to the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor. So I don't, I, I don't want you to wait on the sofa waiting for God to strike you with the creativity lightning bolt. I want you to go start a business. The second thing we talked about is that risk is bad. Entrepreneurs hate risk. This idea that entrepreneurs are risky people who start businesses is 100% wrong. Entrepreneurs are the people who reduce the start or reduce the risk so much that anyone would start that business. If I told you that we're using someone else's money, we already have customers lined up, and we've already been in the media some, well, anyone would start that business. You've already got customers. You're using someone else's money. And that's the way real successful entrepreneurs do things is they reduce risk. Entrepreneurs hate risk. And number three, we argue that passion is awesome for the church, synagogue, or mosque, but not necessarily required for entrepreneurship. Um, I'm I'm passionate about my lifestyle, the freedom that I Uh have, the incredible joy I have, but I'm not passionate for selling purses. (laughs) Wow. You know, it's that, that core thing of driving. Like, how can you know that uh, some entrepreneurs are like on the fence, 
and they've been attacked they've been attacked by different you know levels hey family friends uh spouses um and you had to have that drive to step out of the box what was the thing that got you to actually cross the line uh i know there had to be some type of fears at the very beginning well you know, I was too stupid to be afraid at the beginning. I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. I was only 25, and I didn't know that I was becoming an entrepreneur. All I knew was that I was trying to run a business and make some money to support myself because my parents, just like Coca-Cola, made it very clear that they wanted nothing to do with me. You know, they loved me very much, but get the hell out of our house and go make money by yourself, you know? Um, and so... I had no choice but to become an entrepreneur, really. I was lucky. I didn't make a conscious decision. It was just life forced me into it. You know, so many people, that's true, they're 46 years old and get fired. And it's really hard at 52 or 57 to get a new job. Sometimes it's just plain out easier to start a business, you know. And people think that that's the risky, dangerous route. But, you know, think about it this way. How many streams of income does a landscaper have? Well, he's got 100 clients. He has 100 different ways to make money. If he loses 10%, well, he still doesn't starve to death. Whereas if I work for Coca-Cola, I have one stream of income. If I lose that, I am completely SOL, and I do starve to death. So I think in today's perverse economy, being an entrepreneur is one of the safest things you can do. When they're talking about the, you know, the capital investment that you're going to have to, uh, you know, a person in their forties is a lot easier because they usually have some type of retirement. There's hopefully some type of backup funds. But if a person, you know, in their twenties, they can live off of less. Um, what ways do they they can look at maybe to help trying to write a business plan or or trying to find some capitalization for their company? What, what, you, what you, advice will you give them? Well, I would advise not to look for money. You know, if okay. you need money, you probably shouldn't be starting that business, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I don't start a business with more than $500, and I've had businesses with 700 employees. Um, my wife, started a business two years ago with $500. It made $68,000 in profit its first year, and she has a full-time job. And she did that totally on the side, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not uh, a big fan of uh, going out and raising money. You know, I've done it, and it's bad for a business, you know. And so I want to tell the beginning entrepreneurs that you should start with your own money. And they'll okay. always argue and say, ah, oh, but my idea needs a bunch of money. I'm like, well, then change your ideas. The idea is the problem, right? If you can't figure out how to start with no money, you're doing something wrong. You're starting the wrong business. And people think that's crazy. But if you look at history, you'll find out that 430 of the Fortune 500 businesses were started with under $500. If you talk to successful Serial entrepreneurs, people who do this again and again and again, they mm -hmm. very rarely start with a big pot of money. You know, that's just not true. That's just not the way it works if you do it again and again and again, right? So I don't want you to go raise a bunch of money. I want you to figure out how to start a business with $500, right? 
And if you don't have any idea how to do that, go on Google and type in business plan under $500, and you'll find that there's thousands of pages on Google that will give you information or even give you entire business plans on how to get started for cheap. The appendix of our book has 40 businesses listed in it that you can start for under $500. So don't tell me it can't be done. Just don't tell me that because history has already proven you wrong. So my thought on raising money, Tim, mm-hmm. let's don't do it. Let's not waste our time. We can spend two years raising money or two years building the business slowly, organically, with internal capital, and I would prefer that that last choice, the internal capital slow organic growth, works out better in the long run. What mistakes, uh, common mistakes, have you seen? I think some business have made in you know writing your book and also teaching. Uh, what are just usually maybe the top few mistakes that they actually make besides spending a lot of time in trying to raise money? Uh, the first thing is that they don't select a problem to solve. Or maybe they select a really small problem that no one cares has been solved, right? Um, I remember a business plan that came to me that could read uh, certain, it could like read Wikipedia to you, and that was the business. I was like, well, that's fantastic, but I don't need Wikipedia read to me. I can read it myself. I don't want it read to me. So make sure that you're actually solving a problem, first of all. You know, people will gladly pay you big piles of money if you make one of their problems go away. So I want you to do that first and make sure that there's a problem attached and that you're solving the problem. Second thing is I want you to start solving the problem before you go and maybe even start the business. You know, there's nothing wrong with starting to solve problems and getting paid before you have a company. You know, that's totally fine. You can go ahead and start developing great web pages before you do the incorporation and all of that kind of stuff. So the thing I think that people do that's a big mistake is they get excuses for not getting started yet. So I'll, I'll have clients come up to me and say, you know, I'm working on my business plan for six months, and I think I'm almost ready to start. And I'm like, well, I think I should kill you right now. You've just wasted six months writing a business plan. Why didn't you just go do it, you know? So I, I'm also not a big fan of the business plan. I'm a big fan of planning, but I'm not sure that I'm going to sit down and spend 100 hours writing a document that talks about what I could just be out there doing. Right, you know, mm-hmm. I'd rather just be out there doing it than writing about it or talking about it. Right, so I think that people waste a lot of time at the very beginning doing stuff that the media likes to talk about, but the real entrepreneurs don't necessarily do. Um, I've never written a business plan that I've actually, I get, I've gotten paid to write other people's business plans. When I start a business, I don't write a plan. I do the research, but I don't spend the time to write write it down. We're going to take a break for a moment, and then we're going to dive into your school or startup. Uh, we'll be back in one minute. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple. 
Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Okay, we're going we're gonna to dive into, welcome back to the show. We're going to dive into your, your book, uh, School of Startups. Uh, Jim, how did you come about and putting this book together? I know you talked about it at the very beginning, well, but I wasn't you know, sure we were was, the same book. Yeah, um, it was truly the result of a bet, and I've learned a lot since it. Uh, you know, I wrote that book, and I would do some things differently, but Mm-hmm. You know, getting the book published is not that difficult. Everyone says it is, but it's just like what we were talking about before. A book needs to actually solve a problem and answer a very simple question. You know, so in one sentence, you need to be able to tell the publisher what your book is about. And if you can do that, it's going to get published and sell well. You know, the the thesis that we learned about in sixth grade, we you know, we'd love to make fun of it and we'd never really get it, but it's just so important. You need to be able to tell me in one sentence what your book is about. And if you can do that, you can get it published. There's, you know, it's just not that difficult, I don't think, you know. And I think the people who hear, you know, tell the story, well, I've contacted 100 publishers and they've all said no, I think that means that the book is just not a good idea. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there is something inherently wrong. Right. If you've talked to that many people, you need to change the product. Right. If you can't sell it, you need to change the product. And so it's uh, it's you know a great thing for someone's career. Though I would recommend everyone do it. Um, every single business person who wants to stand out and excel, I think should should do that. Um, even if it's just a vanity book that you publish yourself on uh, Amazon, I think that it's a perfect thing for people to do. It's great for their career. And also, Kindle publishing is a great way to make money now. You know, the Kindle, uh, if you publish 100% the way Amazon wants you to with the Kindle product, you can make up to 70% of the sales price as your commission. Uh, On my book that I published with McGraw-Hill, I make something like two cents for every book that's sold. Um, So the Kindle revolution is a very interesting thing for book people. And if you want to make some money, that's a great way to do it. One of the tricks that I use, I'm a much better speaker, I hope, Tim, than I am a writer. And so I record all of my thoughts as if I were giving a speech or a talk or something and then get it transcribed, and that becomes the first draft of the book. It makes it much easier to write that way. Wow, that's awesome. Really awesome. And talking about the, I mean, your book and McGraw-Hill and, and talking about you know the, with Kindle themselves, if you know, there I think there is uh, two markets. You know, one will give you additional credibility. Will you, will you recommend one good book to give away, which would be like what you use for McGraw Hill, then another book that you can seriously make your bulk of your money with. 
should the person think on those two platforms? Is that making sense? Uh, since I'm not going to make a whole lot, I'm going to make more in speaking on this particular book. Let them promote it. Let me just get the, the small residuals and then the real serious thing. Then you have that on your own uh, ownership so you can make more. Yeah, you know, I like the idea of having one book published by a really successful publisher to give you the credibility. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I will switch to Kindle. I'm, my next book's... Um, well, I have a Wiley book coming out next, but um, I do plan on doing some Kindle publishing myself very soon. Wow. Yeah, and, I think it's a great business idea. Wow. So if we go into, I'm looking at the index of your book, um, and we talked a lot about the uh, myth, and we talked about the entrepreneurship itself. Uh, you talk about uh, bootstrapping your business. Uh, kind of tell us about bootstrapping. You know, it's just the idea that you don't need money to start businesses, that you can do things. And in the book, I think we have a list of like 46 things you can do Mm -hmm. to reduce your cost so that you can start for, again, that $500 that I was talking about. You know, And you've heard a lot of them in the media, things like uh, starting out of your garage and, you know, all of the things that you hear and the famous stories about Apple starting in, you know, someone's basement and all of that. Those are all great bootstrapping tips, and we recommend all of that. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things you can do to, you know, for example, pre-selling business. You know, sell something in advance. Um, one of my favorite stories is a guy here in town opened up a restaurant, and he sold, I think, 25 charter memberships for $10,000 each. And if you pay $10,000 you never had to buy your food at the restaurant again. You got to eat for free forever. And wow. so he did that because he got $250,000 in advance to pay for the build-out of the restaurant, right? You know, So he was able to reduce his cost by doing cool, innovative things that uh, made his business you know, sexy from the very beginning. So when mm-hmm. I say that I don't like creativity, I don't really care about the creativity in your business model. There's nothing wrong with opening up another dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. But I do love creativity when it comes to cool marketing tricks and things like that. You also mentioned in the book, uh, we're talking about marketing, marketing your product. Give, some, give us my ideas regarding when you talk about marketing. Well, my favorite idea is to pick 100 customers and to pester them until they've all bought it from you. You know, the idea that sometimes, you know, you know, there's if you have, let's go back to our Pakistani chairs, right? Who could buy mm-hmm. that? Well, millions of people could buy it as consumers, but it's much more likely that an interior decorator would buy a product like that. So we simply bought a list of every interior decorator in the United States and mailed them a flyer, mailed, emailed them, you know, information until they bought from us, you know. So I think that with marketing, your best trick is to find a really small niche that you can go after and market in that one way really, really effectively. You know, with all of these social media, I don't think you should do all of them. You should pick one and do it really, really extensively and really well. Um, You know, marketing, I think, is just like entrepreneurship. You need to find a niche. You need to find an area to specialize and to focus in. And go after that one thing. Um, you know, you hear 
if you just pay attention, you'll hear constantly that this one company advertises on the radio nonstop in your market. Maybe it's a mortgage company or something like that, and they just nonstop advertise. Well, you know what? They're doing it because it's working for them. You know, their mm-hmm. model is succeeding because somehow that formula is working. But I bet you they don't do any other advertising. They probably have one channel. So with marketing, I think you need to focus on picking that one channel and then diving into it really, really aggressively. Uh, great. And when you talk about, you know, the thing of hiring employees, which is number 10 in your book, Chapter 10, you know, that that is – you know, it is you can't really put words to it. What advice do you give them in hiring? You know, they first set of employees, and what things they really need to look for in hiring an employee. And if it's, if it doesn't work out, what do they need to do to try to peacefully uh, let the employee go? Yeah, um, you know, I would hire an employee as late as possible when you're just dying. You know, don't hire, the one of the problems I see is people hire too soon higher weight so that you're just simply uh, dying to get that person. And when you do look for a person, I would make them work for you for six or seven weeks before I offer them a full-time job, some sort of, you know, apprenticeship or something like that to see if they fit in. And the most important thing you want to look for is you want to look for someone that is just like you, entrepreneurial. They don't know it yet. They don't know that they would make a good entrepreneur. But they're flexible. They're willing to learn. They're willing to break, you know, the rules and just call somebody out of the blue. You know, they're not corporate trained to be stodgy and boring and do things by the rules. You know, so if you had two employees and one came in and had never had a job before and one who had come in and worked for Coca-Cola, I would hire the one who had never had a job before, all things being equal, because that employee is trainable and you can teach them to do what you want. Wow, that's awesome. So I look for flexibility in in hiring, people who can do a lot of different cool types of jobs. Uh, Regarding your school itself, the school of startup, uh, of course you have the book, you have a video portion. Kind of tell us about the video portion um, on the website and what what they actually experience. Yeah, we take 80, 80 hours of content that all reflect our basic philosophy of low risk entrepreneurship. So we talk about every single aspect, everything you need to know to be an entrepreneur, but we do it from the perspective of low risk. So how do you be an entrepreneur when you have no money? How do you do marketing when you have no money? How do you do technology when you have no money? And so we teach every single part, everything you would need to know, you know, the HR, the finance, the market, through our unique lens of low-risk entrepreneurship. We're not going to lose our house to start this business. And so we filmed 80 hours. Uh, Myself and Chris Hanks, he was the co-author of the book. He is the head of the entrepreneurship department at the University of Georgia. And he's just like me. He's a successful entrepreneur, but he is not a Ph.D. And so we don't teach academic stuff. We teach real practical stuff that we've been using ourselves to start about 20 businesses. Mm Mm-hmm. In your, um, we have a question right here. Give me a second. Regarding round of funding, um, do you actually talk about uh, venture funding uh, part of your school of business in the book or on the video? Oh yeah, of course. Um, I've raised several rounds of venture funding in my life for various businesses. I'm doing it right now, 
And so, you know, VC is one of the necessary evils sometimes. You know, despite what I said earlier, sometimes you do need that money. And uh, we talk extensively about that, how to find them, how to get in touch with them, what to say to them, you know, what your approach should be, um, how they're going to negotiate with you, the due diligence process, uh, dealing with them after the deal, all of it. So, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time talking about VCs because people want to hear about that. They think that it's something in their future, but it's only in the future of 2% of entrepreneurs. Only 2% of entrepreneurs will end up with VC funding. So 98% of us will never need this part of the education, but we do teach it anyway because people find it sexy. In, in comparison to that and going public, uh, will you go uh, go to a venture capitalist or will you go public? Um, if you put all things together. Well, you know, venture capital is one of the yeah, – venture capital is one of the steps on the way to going public. And I've okay. never gotten that far. I've either sold the business or done something else beforehand. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, venture capitalists love it when you go public. And for entrepreneurs, that is the ultimate exit, the, the biggest uh, money prize. So um, everyone wants that. I haven't gotten that uh, fortunate yet. I hope to still. But um, that is our ultimate dream as the entrepreneur, the, the IPO exit. That's the billionaire ticket right there. Wow. I have another long sentence. Okay, so if a person really needs some type of capital, they've gone through it probably like six months, and and they need this next bump in order to get to maybe this contract or this particular uh, project, would you advise them to go into their retirement and take a loan against it? No, that sounds pretty risky to me. Okay. Um, You know, I, I, I wouldn't advise that, you know. If the situation where they have, you know, business that all they need is money and if, you know, that kind of situation is where you can get factoring or actually even a bank loan or lots of businesses that can give you some creative financing in those situations Mm -hmm. where, you know, you have orders and all you need is money to execute the order or something. But I don't like the risk of borrowing against your Retirement. That just sounds really risky to me, and I don't know that I would sleep well at night. So I would advise no on that one. If you had to go back in, in a time machine and look at the mistakes that uh, you made in the business, what what really thing that stood out that you would like to go back and repeat if you could? Uh, I spent too much money. I got into debt. So uh, I tried to grow a business too fast, got too aggressive, and, you know, I spent years digging myself out of that hole. So the idea that, you know, sometimes you can be too aggressive, that's true. Sometimes you can grow too fast and spend money too quickly. I did all of those things. And so, Tim, boy, I got into trouble. Um, you know, the letter from the bank saying you have 28 days to move out of your house, all that kind of stuff. So sometimes slow is better than fast. You know, an entrepreneur is more to go fast, 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 fast. Sometimes you end mm-hmm. up ahead of yourself. So my biggest mistake was uh, growing in business too quickly and getting ahead of myself. We like to leave uh, our audience with, and all in all, regarding uh, your experience and also your school of business. If you had things you just want to say, hey, what you would like them to leave with? Um, the, the simple idea that anyone can be an entrepreneur. There's no special test. Um, there's no special skill set. 
you don't have to be creative. You don't have to be a risk taker. You just have to get off the sofa. So I want everyone to be encouraged to be an entrepreneur. It's the greatest lifestyle ever. It's the greatest use of your skills and uh, gifts that you've been given by God, Yahweh, Buddha, Muhammad, whatever. Um, I want to encourage people to think about it in a new way where they're not worrying about risk because they're not going to spend a bunch of money. And when they start changing the way they think of it, they find all sorts of things that become possible and Entrepreneurship can become much easier when you limit your risk. That's what I'd like to tell people. Great. And if they need to reach out to you, uh, Jim, how do they reach out to you? Uh, at Entrepreneur Jim on Twitter. And I'm also on LinkedIn, and I accept any invitation on LinkedIn. Uh, hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. Perfect. And your your website again is? School for Startups. Uh, schoolforstartups.com. Very simple. Great. Jim, thank you so much for you sh shared a lot of information with us today. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay. Fun. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thank you. Take care. Again, you, you're listening to an episode of the Core Business Show. You can download this episode on iTunes or on Block Talk Radio or one of your local stations. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to The Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.